what's coming up now on Established in the Faith. The church today is becoming spiritually dehydrated due to a lack of the Holy Spirit. See, we got it all figured out. Ain't going to have altar calls no more because that calls people out, makes them feel bad. But look, I'm going to tell you, we're going to have an altar call in this church as long as I'm here. Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. And how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. have your Bibles, would you turn with me please to the Gospel according to St. Luke. The Gospel according to St. Luke chapter 1, and we're going to jump in at verse 59. Luke chapter 1, verse 59. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they all marveled. And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. And fear came all that dwell in the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. And I just want to stop right there. And this morning we're going to deal with this prophecy concerning John the Baptist. The birth of John the Baptist was a miracle birth in that his mother Elizabeth, for years, she was barren, not able to have any children and Zechariah and Elizabeth both, the Scripture says, they were on up in age. And Elizabeth was beyond the years of having children. But as Zechariah was in the temple performing his duties, the angel Gabriel appeared to him and told him that Elizabeth was going to have a child and to call his name John. And Zechariah, he just couldn't believe it. And he said, give me a sign to help me believe. The sign was he couldn't speak, and evidence is he couldn't hear either. So he comes out of the temple, and he signed to the people because he couldn't speak, and the people perceived that he had seen a vision. But Zechariah finished his course 
went home with Elizabeth, and a short time later, she conceived, and about six months after she conceived, Mary comes, having been visited by the angel Gabriel as well. She has now conceived of the Lord Jesus Christ. She comes into Elizabeth's presence. Little baby John the Baptist leaped for joy in the womb because he sensed the presence of God. He felt the presence of God. And he wasn't even born yet. Don't tell me that that baby in the mother's womb is a fetus. This book says that it is a baby. And when abortions take place, they're not doing away with a fetus. They're doing away with a human being. And then... Three months later, John the Baptist was born. Eight days after John the Baptist was born, they went to circumcise the child. And according to the custom of that day, it was a custom to call the child after his father's name, which would have been Zachariah. And his mother stepped in and said, no, we're not going to call him Zachariah. We're going to call his name John. And the people were kind of taken aback by that. They didn't understand that. And so they signed unto Zachariah. And Zachariah asked for a tablet. And he wrote on the tablet, his name shall be John. And the moment he acquiesced to what the angel had told him some nine months earlier. His tongue was loosed. And let me tell you, when you've been through something, and, 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 and that there are many under the sound of my voice today, you've, you've been through some type of traumatizing experience. When you come out of that thing, and you're now able to do things that you hadn't been able to do in some time, for some time. It's time to open up your mouth and praise God. It's time to worship God. Some of you would not be here today had it not been for the Lord Jesus Christ dealing with you and working with you and, and touching you and looking over you during a time of tragedy. And that is something to praise God about today. Now, I want to deal with something here. If you'll look there in verse 67, Luke 1, verse 67. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Ghost. Understand this today, that although we are reading this account in the New Testament, it still occurred under the old covenant, the old economy of God. Everything that you read in the Bible that took place prior to the cross... It is still considered to be Old Covenant. And under the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit was not able to move and work like He does under the New Covenant. Under the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit would come upon a person 
for a short period of time, long enough for them to perform the task that God wanted them to do. And then when the task was completed, the Holy Spirit would leave. That is because man's sin debt had not yet been paid at Calvary's cross. Today, since the sin debt has been paid at Calvary, the Holy Spirit can now not only just come upon the individual, but He actually comes inside of the individual to dwell there. And thank God He doesn't leave. Glory to God. You may have played the fool, but He does not leave you. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And there are times that the Holy Spirit comes on you you feel like you can just shout all over the place, and then there's other times you feel like you're hanging on a rotten stick over the fires of hell. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you and dealing with you and working with you. Now I want to look at some things. Today, we can have the Holy Spirit as it pertains to salvation Number two, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Number three, you can be refilled with the Spirit. I want to look at each one of these things for just a moment. At salvation, you accept Christ as your Savior. You repent of your sin. You recognize that you are a sinner. You repent of your sin. You recognize Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you accept what he did on Calvary's cross for you. You believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. The moment you do that, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and he changes you down on the inside. You have a new nature. He binds up the sin nature in you and now he wants to be the king of your heart, the king of your life. The moment you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. That gets you ready for heaven. All right, now, let's set this over here for just a moment. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is a little bit different. At salvation, the Holy Spirit baptizes you in the body of Christ. Romans chapter 6, first few verses there. Baptism in the Spirit is where Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism in the Spirit is a commandment, which means it is not automatic. Dana, if you will, put it up on the screen. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Acts 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them. Look at that. Commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is not an automatic thing. It is a commandment, which means you have to ask for it. Dana, if you can uh, go to Luke 11, verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? 
Baptism in the Holy Spirit is something that Jesus does to get you ready for service. And that is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Dana, if you can put that up there. Thank you. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. There's the service part. How many of you want to serve the Lord? How many of you want to be called in front of the Lord one day as a good and faithful servant? If you're going to serve God, it is necessary for you to seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit of God. You ask Him to feed you, and He said, If you ask, you shall receive. If you seek, you shall find. If you knock, it shall be open unto you. Salvation, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, gets you ready for heaven. Baptism in the Holy Spirit gets you ready for service. To serve the Lord, to work for the Lord. Now, just because you're saved and just because you're filled with the Spirit... Things kind of run down a little bit, and it's necessary for you to be refilled with the Spirit. Dana, if you will, put it up on the screen. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free. Stop right there just a minute. I'm going to throw this in. I won't charge anything for it. If you want to know what the answer is to the racism problem in America, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. There's neither bond nor free, Jew nor Gentile, when it comes to Jesus Christ. We are all one in Christ Jesus. We're all one great big happy family. The bloodline is the same. Color of skin makes no difference. Let me tell you something, when you get to heaven, they ain't going to have a little special place over here for these folks. There ain't going to be no special little place over here for Pentecostals and Free Will Baptists and Methodists and whatever over here. We're all going to be one great big happy family. And let me just go ahead and throw this in. I won't charge you nothing for it. I, I promise you I won't. But if you can't get along down here, you can forget about trying to get along up there. All right, let me move on. I was making a point, and it's this. Latter part of verse 13, 1 Corinthians 12. He said, And have been all made to drink into one spirit. Made to drink into one spirit. Just as you cannot live one day without drinking something physically, you cannot live for God as you should without drinking of the Spirit of God. So there is a constant need for you to be refilled with the Spirit of God. That's why you need to be here on Wednesday night. That's why you need to be here on Sunday morning. That's why you need to go over to Established in the Faith, to the website there and listen to preach. Because we all need to be refilled with the Spirit of God from time to time. And I'm going to say this, the church today is becoming spiritually dehydrated due to a lack of the Holy Spirit. See, we got it all figured out. We know how to do church. 
We got it all figured out, and we don't allow the Holy Spirit any room to move and work whatsoever. A lot of churches have done away with altar calls. They ain't going to have altar calls no more because that calls people out, makes them feel bad, and we don't want people to feel. But look, I'm going to tell you, we're going to have an altar call in this church as long as I'm here. And let's look at the prophecy that Zechariah brought forth. Luke chapter 1, verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. The salvation of man was formulated in the mind of God even before the foundation of the world. And in order for that salvation to take place, there would need to be a visitation to man. And God became a man took upon himself human flesh. He came into the very human existence and was tempted in all points just like we are. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Verse 69. The word Horns has to do with dominion. The entire human race is born under the dominion of the sin nature. If you want to know what the problem is in America today, it is an active sin nature in too many people. But there is a remedy. I said there is a remedy. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The moment you place your faith in who He is and what He did at Calvary, that opens up the door for the Holy Spirit to come inside and bind up that sin nature. And now He has dominion in the heart and life of the individual. That horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Verse 69. We just got through talking about David. A man after God's own heart. You know the story. Adultery. Cold-blooded murder. Two of the worst sins that a person can commit. But when he was approached with this thing, he repented of it and God forgave him. That speaks of God's grace and mercy. When Jesus Christ came into this world, he didn't mind being called the son of David. All right, let's move on. Verse 70, Luke chapter 1. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world Began, spake by the mouth of the holy prophets. Understand this, God's not trying to hide anything. We got people out here today that are saying they're hidden messages in the Bible, and you got to have a computer program in order to decipher what, it, what it's all about. God's not trying to hide anything. There's nothing hidden in this book. If, if it, it, the most important thing is your salvation, and God has not hidden that from you. So there's no type of codes or, or special computer program you got to have to understand the Bible, okay? And the cross of Christ has ever been in the view of God. He has made that well known even under the old covenant because the sacrificial system all pointed 
to Christ and what he would do at Calvary. Verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. Our biggest enemy is Satan. Satan hates God and he wants to hurt God. But Satan cannot hurt God because he's God. See, But he can hurt God indirectly so. And how is that? You and I, all of mankind, we are made in the image and likeness of God. And God loves the human race. And Satan knew that when he started messing with God's creation, that was a way to get back at God. He wants to hurt God, and the way he does it is through all of mankind. He hurts mankind to get back at God. And you need to understand who your enemy is. It is Satan. But I want to let you know that God has saved us from our enemies. As long as you keep your faith in the finished work of Christ. Let me move on. Verse 72. To perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. Jesus performed the mercy that was promised, and he remembered the covenant. In the book of John, the 8th chapter, we read where Jesus was teaching the crowds one day, and the scribes and Pharisees brought up a woman who was caught in the act of adultery disrupted the service and said, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now, the law of Moses says that such should be stoned. What do you say? See, they thought they had him trapped. Had Jesus said stone her, then he would have been usurping authority over Rome. Had he said don't stone her, then he would have been breaking the law of Moses. See, so they kind of had him. And they were all standing there with the stones in their hands. And Jesus said, He it is among you who is without sin. Let him cast the first stone. And all of a sudden, everyone I'm standing there, their cell phone went off. And they had business elsewhere. And the woman looked up at Jesus. And Jesus said, Where are your accusers at? She said, there's no man, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, did Jesus break the law? No, he didn't. He showed her mercy. And he could show her mercy because in just a short time later, he would go to Calvary and he would pay not only for her sin, but he would pay for every one sin, every single human being who has ever lived from the beginning of time, even up until now, into eternity. He did it all for every human being. Glory to God. His mercy he performed. Verse 76, And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Jesus said in Luke seven twenty-eight that there was no greater prophet than that of John the Baptist. Why is that? It was because 
it was John the Baptist who not only preached righteousness, but he would present to the world the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 77, And give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. You need to understand your salvation. The remission of sin means forgiveness, but it also has this meaning as well. A doctor will say at times that a person's cancer has gone into a state of remission. The sin nature that every one of us have, the moment we accept Christ as our Savior, that sin nature goes into a state of remission to where it's not active, it's not affecting you like it once did. You need to understand your salvation. Verse 79, To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide the feet into the way of peace. Most of this world has absolutely no idea what death is. They see the effects of it, and they know that it happens to everyone, but they don't understand it. A lot of, a lot of this world out here thinks that when death takes place, there is no more. But for the child of God, the one who has accepted Jesus Christ, we understand what death is. It is merely separation of the soul and spirit from the physical body. And for the child of God, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And to be present with the Lord today, that can be the greatest healing that can happen to an individual. If the program today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252-299-4234. You can also go to establishedinthefaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252 252- Two nine nine four two three four. This program is an outreach ministry of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. As well, depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you. To contact us or to contribute to this ministry, go to establishedinthefaith.com. Click on the Donate tab. It's easy and all donations are safe and secure through PayPal. You can also mail us at Established in the Faith, P.O. Box 601, Bailey, North Carolina, 27807. We look forward to hearing from you. I'm Haven. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. We have Sunday school every Sunday morning at 945 and worship service at 11, as well as prayer meeting and Bible study every Wednesday night at 730. Go to establishinthefaith.com and click on the events tab for gospel singings and other special services. That's right, Jules. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina, near the EMET community. On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. 
We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.